0: Think about the last time that you decided to change your putter. Was it because of you, the archer, or was it because of the disc, the arrow? In today's episode, we're gonna dive into this big putting question that you may have heard or may not have heard, but I'm here to bring it to you so that you can learn about it. The archer versus the arrow. When we're struggling with our putting, is it because of us, the disc golfer, or is it because of the disc? Let's get right into it. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to episode 21 of Teach Play Disc Golf, a Gladiator Disc Golf Podcast. I'm your host Antonio and I am so excited to have you with me here today. I have some really fun things planned for us to discuss. We're going to talk about this concept of archer versus arrow and when it comes to putting specifically After that, we're going to review a very, very cool disc. A disc that I'm not quite aware that a lot of people throw, but I've started throwing it over the last couple of weeks. Actually... Uh, coming up on close to a month, I should say, and I've really enjoyed it. It is everything I wish this disc would be. And after that, we are going to recap the PCS Open and preview the European Open and talk about some of uh, the stuff that has happened over the last uh, weekend and this upcoming weekend and last year with the European Open. We'll recap some of that. So that's what we have for today's show. Let's go ahead and let's get right into it. So last week on Threads and Instagram, I basically asked just a generic putting question. I asked everyone if, uh, you know, how long have you used the putter that's in your bag and how often basically do you switch? Why do you switch? That kind of thing. And I got a lot of feedback from that and it was awesome. It was really interesting seeing just how many different journeys people take when they're you know, trying to find the right putter or using their particular putter and how they got there. But one of the things that I found to be consistent, the main reason that people switched putters was because they were in a rut. And so the default option was, I'm in a rut with this putting thing, I I can't figure it out, Uh, changing my stance isn't working, changing my putting style isn't working. I'm gonna go ahead and change the disc I'm using. That seemed to be the number one option. And it makes sense why people would, you know, do that. But that's basically the number one option for getting out of a rut. And we're gonna come back to, you know, is that the right way? But first, we need to discuss, you know, when you're in this rut, when you're having a hard time with putting, is it you or the disc? Now I'll just say that the what this, is, what this question is basically dialing into is what's the real issue with your putting? Because that is really what we're asking here when we're asking Archer versus Arrow, we're asking what is the real issue with your putting? And there can be a lot of things wrong with someone's putting. But figuring out which one it is, is sometimes harder than it sounds. I know, it may be like, okay, I'm dealing with putting, I haven't changed anything. So clearly the disc is not working for me. And it's like, okay, I can understand that. But on the flip side, are you 100% certain that nothing has changed about your putting technique, or maybe the mental state in which you're putting um, that could be affecting your game. So I wanna go ahead and just discuss both sides because I think for every golfer out there, it happens one way or another. Sometimes it's the disc and sometimes it's just you as a, as a golfer. So let's talk about the disc first. Now, when we're dealing with issues with our putting, there's a couple things that we need to keep in mind is that first off, every disc uh, has a stability and putters are no different. So when we're throwing putters, we tend to see stability a little bit more. We can see something that's more understable, neutral, or overstable. But even on the putting green, you can still see some stability differences in discs when you're using them. Uh, Discs that are gonna be more overstable when you putt, especially at that slower speed, are going to fade a lot more. So if you use an overstable disc, most people tend to aim a little right to the basket not necessarily off the basket, but just on the right side of the chains so that the disc comes crashing in. Golfers like myself who use more neutral putters or more understable putters are going to aim at the heart of the chains. Now, my particular uh, recommendation and teaching slash coaching when it comes to putting is that everyone should aim for the heart of the chains regardless of the stability, but I'm not going to fight too long on that uh, for this episode. But So coming back to this idea, some stabilities fly differently when putting. So there are, um, you know, what you might like throwing off the tee or for approaches may not exactly be the the kind of disc that you wanna be putting with. Also, in talking with stability, A disc loses stability the more times it hits chains because it's getting beat in. It's not necessarily smacking a tree and completely losing its shape or flight characteristics in one big thwop, right? But when you're making tens and hundreds and thousands of putts with a disc, over time, it's going to lose its stability. So if you are using, let's say, an AVR which has about two fade, um, if you continue to use an AVR or a Luna, or something like that, it's eventually going to putt straighter and straighter and straighter. And so, especially if you're aiming a little off center, you're going to find that the disc is not going to fade into the chains nearly as much. So, is there an issue with your putting? When, it's, when we're talking about the disc specifically, check the stability of your disc, and specifically here, what is the wear and tear of the disc like? Is it a brand new disc that is not putting the same as like the previous uh, disc that you were just using when you replaced it? So like if I was putting with AVRs, let's say, and man, my AVR is getting beat in a little bit, let me swap it out, I bring a new one, and the new one, never been thrown or putted with, is doing the same thing, then there's some other issues we might consider. But chances are, if you're missing you know, a little bit, it could be, that the stability of the disc first off the disc you're choosing and then after that the wear of the disc it's seasoning we might call it how understable has it become compared to its original flight um, because that's going to adjust the way you putt i remember uh, several months ago i was using actually have it right here this blue bullet and I use these for a long time. Well, one of the things I was noticing is that the more I was putting with them, the more hyzer it felt like I had to put on my putt. And that was starting to throw a lot of my mechanics off, especially when I would go to, you know, practice putting and have some fresher bullets and everything. So I noticed, realized, hey, I need to get some new putters and cycle. So that is basically something to consider when it comes to the disc, the stabilities. Also, if you're really dealing with an issue, you need to figure out beadless or beaded. Two completely different hand feels. You have to really find one or the other. Uh, In my experience, everyone can putt with both, but typically there's a comfort level that comes with beaded or beadless. I use beadless. I've used beaded before. I actually used to putt uh, with these JK AVRs and I really liked them, but they were a little too, they were, I was noticing my putting mechanics were getting off. I was always aiming a little to the right and having it fade in and I wanted to fix some of that. So I actually switched to using gateway voodoo's, which had a micro bead. And so that was kind of the in-between. And then I eventually switched to the bullets, which are just beadless in general so now i can never like really go back to be like yes the uh, jk aviars feel great and i still keep them because i had a lot of good memories and putts with those and i may toss them around a time or two just for fun but the vast majority of all the putts are going to be with my beadless putters i've chosen beadless you might choose beaded or you might be with me on beadless but figure out which kind of putter works best for you and you may need to kind of field test and do a bunch of putts over the course of a couple weeks to figure out okay do i putt significantly better beaded versus beadless the other thing that we need to think about when you're trying to figure out the issue with your putting and you're looking at the disc specifically is glide some discs have a lot of glide Some discs don't have as much glide. That's a huge, uh, it's a huge variable when you're talking about putting because glide is basically loft. How How long it's going to stay in the air and how well it carries itself in the air. There are some putters out there with a lot of glide and there are some putters out there with not very much glide. And so you need to kind of consider you know the pros and cons of that a disc with a lot of glide is great because it can carry up, you know, some inclines and that kind of thing, but when you miss, cuz it happens to everyone, so when you miss, it might travel really far past the basket. Whereas a disc with low glide, you're going to have to put a little more oomph behind it to get it into the basket, but if you if and when you miss, it shouldn't go too far because the low glide's going to have it drop really soon. Um, also glide helps you kind of throw a little bit more, uh, flex putts, um, with different stabilities, which is really cool. Whereas low glide, it's not really always going to be able to fade out and kind of finish nice and flat, like you might want it to. So these are all things that you kind of have to think about, like, Hey, I'm having issues with my putting. Is it my disc? Let me check with stability. Let me check. Is it beaded or beadless? Um, and what's the glide of the disc like that could be affecting the way I'm putting. Now that is all the arrow, so to speak. Now I want us to talk about the archer, we, us, I almost said we, us, Uh, the disc golfer. There are a couple, there are four things that I want to look at when we're talking about the disc golfer and the issues you might have with your putting. The first is going to be uh, straddle versus staggered. And then we're going to look at spin, push, or spush, nose down versus nose up and then a practice regimen. So first, straddle versus staggered. Every disc golfer needs to know how to do both. But every disc golfer has a preferred style. So you may find that, hey, I really like my putter. Nothing's wrong with it. I don't want to change my putter. But is it possible that I'm kind of uh, having some bad habits in a staggered position, so I need to go to a straddle? Or am I really just not being as efficient with the straddle putt as I once was, and now I'm going to change to a, a staggered putt. There are a lot of uh, differences with that. Um, you can do spin putts with a straddle putt. We see Kristen Tatar and Nate Sexton spin putts from a straddle, but typically you're going to see more s- spin type putting from people in straddle stances. So if that's your particular style of putt, you may want to try a straddle stance if you haven't already done so, and if you're more of a push putt, more than likely you're already in a stagger, but or excuse me, in a straddle. But if you're not in a straddle position with a push putt, go ahead and give that a try because it'll help you get both legs involved a lot more and really get some loft under that disc. So figuring out what kind of putting um, basically stance you want to be in. Then we have spin, push, and spush. And I already kind of alluded to those things. Once again, just like straddle versus stagger, a disc golfer, especially one who's competing, should know how to do all of them depending on the putt in front of them with obstacles in the way, down on the knee, uh, downhill, uphill, so on and so forth. But we all have our preferences. I'm more of a spush putt lately with a little bit more emphasis on the spin and a little bit less push. You might be the complete opposite. You might be a push putter well, if you're struggling on a particular style, that could be a really good opportunity for you to work on another style because spin and push are so different. You're going to really be able to forget about some of the mechanics of the other while you work on the new one. So for me, if I was struggling with this and I have in the past, what I've done is I've gone to a complete push putt because the push putt, isn't going to have as much spin. It's a completely different motion for me. It gets me away from thinking about my staggered uh, spin putt. So now I can focus on the straddle push putt and it can kind of help me just maybe forget some uh, scars from the putting greens over the last couple of weeks. So go ahead and give that a try if this straddle and stagger doesn't work for you. It could be the way you're putting and it's also great practice for you. The uh, next thing is nose up versus nose down. Now, most people are going to say putt nose up. It helps give the disc uh, lift. You're able, you know, someone like Simon Lozat putts a little nose up, and that's how he can seemingly putt so soft, and the disc just continues to carry into the basket. That is a great tip. It is super helpful. But if you are struggling with your form nose up could be part of the problem especially if you're missing high uh, if you're going long so on and so forth there's a lot of issues that could come from a nose up putt and so you may want to try putting a little flat or a little nose down kind of like ricky wysocki i've uh over the last couple years i've based uh, i've adapted my putt to be a little bit more nose down because I like that, especially on misses, I'm not really going to miss very long um, because that nose down means the disc is, the disc's trajectory is down towards the ground. So it helps in that regard as well. But nose up versus nose down, another good skill to know, but it can be helpful to kind of change this up if you're trying to figure out if you are the issue that you're having. Um, You know, for me, like I know when I'm messing, if my putt isn't right, I've used the bullets for so long that I know it's not the disc. I know it's not the disc. I know it is something with me. And so when you're talking about fixing the archer in this scenario, the disc golfer, the best way to know, to be able to focus on fixing your putt is knowing that and being able to say, the di- it's not the disc's fault. I know it's not the disc's fault. And that can only really come when you have confidence from months and possibly even years of using the same mold if you are constantly switching putters it can be really difficult to know if it's if it's um, the right putter but some wrong mechanics and so that's why the journey of finding your putter can be so challenging because you really have to devote a lot of time once you find one that's working for you to know whether or not it's really going to be the long-term play for your as your putter And that brings us to the fourth thing here, your practice regimen. I'm just gonna come right out and say it. If you do not practice your putting regularly, you can't really blame the disc, okay? I don't practice my putting as often as I should. It's actually been a while. I was traveling a lot this summer, so that definitely affected it too. But I have not practiced my putting a lot recently. And I'll tell you what, if I have a bad putting day, I can't blame the disc. It's definitely the archer here. It's definitely me. And it can be it, it can help reframe a lot of your frustration if when you acknowledge whether or not you've been practicing a lot. Now, if you have been practicing a lot, there can be some other frustrations with that, but looking at your practice regimen, How often are you practicing? What are your practice sessions looking like? What is your routine for your putting? Do you have a routine? A routine doesn't have to be something exhaustive and long and take nearly the 30-second time limit that you have. Even a three-second routine is helpful if it helps you get in the right space and the frame of mind to make your putt. But these all come from having a practice regimen. It doesn't have to be anything super strict, but if you're not practicing whether you go to a course and just work on your putts or you have a practice basket at home, if you're not practicing, it's kind of hard to beat yourself up over the putter, um, meaning the disc, whereas the putter, meaning the person, is more than likely the problem. And it's really just a simple solution of you're out of practice. So it can be a little bit um, humbling to admit that, but it honestly is one of the easier solutions. It's like, hey, I've been putting 50% all month because I just haven't been practicing. I've played two rounds or three rounds all month, haven't practiced my putting in between any of those rounds, haven't practiced the month before either. So of course my putting's gonna be a little rusty when I'm not getting the reps in. So that is something to think about. Now, if you do have a good practice regimen, if you are practicing multiple times a week, you're now in a position where you can say, okay, I know I'm doing the same things over and over and over. So it could be that if you feel really good about your your pace, your regimen, your, um, oh, I was just saying the word earlier, basically the frame of mind that you are in your routine, that's the word, your routine, if you feel really good about that. You can now start to say okay is it actually the disc whereas vice versa earlier i was saying you know if you feel super confident in your disc and you know that's not the problem after years of using it you can analyze your form a little bit better we kind of have the flip side here if you know you're practicing a lot and you're doing the same thing over and over and you've been successful with it before and now you're struggling with it it could be time to look for a putter change but basically all this comes down to is it the archer or the arrow Eh. It kind of depends. And I know that may not be the concrete answer that we're wanting, but there are just so many scenarios that affect putting. Uh, You also have to look at the conditions in which you were putting. If it was rainy or if it was windy, that's going to affect a lot of things. Now, going back to one of the questions about uh, or one of the observations I made, the main reason people switch putters was because they were in a rut. So is there a benefit to switching putters to get out of a rut? Now, people do this for one of two reasons I found. Either they're looking for a new putter or they're just trying to forget some old bad habits that they've been forming lately with their current putter. They don't want to leave that putter, but they definitely need to kind of forget about it for a little while so they can break some of those habits. And I will say that it kind of depends on what your rut is. I think that is a fine strategy to go with. If just something is feeling weird and you're not in rhythm and you need to take your mind off of it, sometimes separation is the best medicine for your disc golf form. But on the other hand, if you're in a rut and you're wanting to switch putters just because you're bored with your putter, but nothing's actually wrong with it that's not necessarily the best reason to go around changing putters. Maybe it has to do something with your practice routine or just your practice regimen needs to improve a little bit. But at the same time, it's always fun trying new discs. So there's also nothing wrong with that if you're just kind of bored um, and wanting to switch that. But when we're talking about improving your game, the putter is probably one of the most important discs in your bag. I would say uh Yeah, I would say it's the number one most important disc in your bag. So when you find something that works, don't change it unless you have a really, really good reason. So, And that's because putting is just so temperamental. So many things are going on. There's so many... um, external factors involved with putting and then you have the whole internal factor of do you have confidence do you feel comfortable with your routine do you are do you have some positive self-talk happening that's giving you the confidence to go ahead and make this putt so on and so forth so because it's so temperamental i would strongly recommend avoiding switching putters just for the sake of switching but if any of the other reasons that we've discussed so far um, would sound helpful to you, go ahead and give them a shot, whether that's trying new putters or changing up your your uh, stance and how you're putting, trying to maybe forget some bad muscle memory. That can be super helpful. One thing that I have found super helpful when I'm working on my putting is to actually go and use uh, my champ cap from Putt Confidently. It really helps me dial in my focus because I have a much smaller target. I can't get distracted by other things and it, it just gives me a simple yes or no. There's no maybes. It's not like, oh yeah, that just snuck in. Like, nope, it's the circle right in the middle of the basket and if it goes in it was a good putt and if it doesn't go in i need it to be more accurate so i really really like using my champ cap for that and what's really cool is Putt confidently now has it something called the champ cap solo where basically it covers half of the basket with one circle and the other half is the complete bare basket and that is i am so excited to get one of those and just work on my putting some more with that because I'll be able to work on a lot of different things that I wasn't uh, able to do as easily with the traditional champ cap. So if you want to work on your putting and touch on these things, I strongly recommend you go ahead and try out a champ cap from Putt Confidently. If you use the link in the description, you'll be able to get free shipping on your order. And uh, whether you get the champ cap or the champ cap solo, I think you're going to find a lot of success on the putting green. All right, let's go ahead and let's get to our disc review. Today's disc review is sponsored by OTB discs. When you go to otbdiscs.com, use discount code GladiatorDG to save on your shipping. Go ahead and load up on those discs and don't pay for any shipping. Go ahead and get it for free at otbdiscs.com, discount code GladiatorDG. All right, today's disc review is on the West Side Discs Bear. This is a disc that came out I think a year or two ago, probably closer to two years. And as soon as I heard about it, I was like, I want to try out this disc. It sounds amazing. It's eight speed, six glide, minus 0.5 turn, and two and a half fade. It is, ju- it, when I heard the numbers, when I saw the fly, I was like, this looks awesome. And I finally got my hands on one. And I it has lived up to all the, I won't even say hype. It has just lived up to my expectations I have really enjoyed throwing this disc. Now, this particular bear is the VIP Ice first run. OTB is sending me a couple more uh, west side bears, and they haven't arrived yet, so I don't know how they compare to this one, but this one in particular is fairly flat, but it's not too flat that it's uncomfortable for backhand. I, I throw this backhand more than I throw it forehand. It's very comfortable for both grips. The rim is not too wide as an ATB. I would say... I haven't measured, but I would say this is probably closer to like a 1.9 or 2.0 centimeter rim versus a 1.8 centimeter rim. Um, But you know what? Let me go ahead and just double check that. Okay. Let's see. Look at that. I called it. Sorry, that was really loud on the mic. I called it. So Eight speed typically is going to be about a 1.8 centimeter rim. The bear is a 1.9. So think of this more like nine speed based on rim width. Granted, there are uh, a lot of inconsistencies with measuring. So it's possible that depending where you measure, it's 1.8 versus 1.9 at another spot on the wing. But that's besides the point I called it. So we're gonna stick with that. So this is basically what I have noticed when I was throwing it. it's not too overstable. Yes, it's 2.5 fade, but it does—it feels closer to two fade. It really, really does. Um, I would say that it's right in between a Thunderbird and an Onyx, depending on your arm speed. I really, really like this disc. Uh, it's smooth, that it's controllable. You, I mean, someone like me is not going to turn this disc over but because of that glide, when thrown on like an Anheuser Flex, you are going to get some really good glide out of it, and it's not just going to completely dump out of the Anheuser. Because it has that glide, it can carry and hold that line. And so that has been a really cool experience just learning this disc. Now granted, My backhand form has improved immensely since I used to throw Thunderbirds. And so it's possible that, you know, I might like Thunderbirds again, but I've really enjoyed throwing the bear. This one is in the bag and I'm hoping uh, to try out a couple other, uh, a couple other ones that OTB is going to send me. So yeah, I really like this. Now, when do I throw this disc? So my go-to driver is the Mint Jackalope. I normally throw this shot where my jackalope isn't stable enough. I really like it because it has a reliable fade. It's significantly more stable than the jackalope. Like, yes, a jackalope will fade a little bit at the end of its flight, and even on a hyzer flip, uh, flip to flat without any turn, a jackalope will fade, but not as much as the bear the bear is going to skip more you're going to get some extra ground play and i really like it for those shots so i tend to throw it somewhere between the 250 and 300 foot mark i haven't really tried to rip into it and kind of see what i can get with it i've just kind of been using it for those more overstable fairway shots where uh, a a mint bobcat isn't quite overstable enough to get over quickly because it's a mid-range and so it's going to glide a little bit too much the bear has a good amount of glide trust me but that overstability, especially when thrown on hyzer, it's not going to carry too far too crazy. So I've really enjoy it for those kinds of shots. And I will say this, my backhand has been improving a lot uh, over the last year. This is the first time an overstable fairway driver has felt so good on my backhand. I've been able to throw it really well, and I've really enjoyed my experience with the Westside Bear. So I'm excited to test some more of them when, uh, when they get here from OTB. Okay, that is all I have for the disc review. So if you want to go ahead and check out the bear, OTB has a bunch in stock in different plastics too, some really cool plastics. Head to their website and use discount code GLADIATORDG to save on shipping. And hopefully you'll find the new overstable fairway fairway disc for your bag. Now let's go ahead and let's recap the PCS Open. So... I got to watching the PCS Open this week and I really, really enjoyed it. I love this course. It's beautiful. I enjoyed watching it last year and I enjoyed watching it again this year and seeing some of the changes they made to it. One of the things that we talked about several episodes ago, probably like eight to 10 episodes ago, is just kind of like things that are going on with Paul Macbeth. He doesn't seem to be playing as well as we would expect. Now, I never said that Paul is uh, washed up or anything like maybe some people out on the interwebs were saying. But since being in Europe, he started pretty slow. But Paul has been absolutely killing it in Europe. He has won several tournaments at this point. I think he's won four, uh, maybe even five. And so it's played really, really well at the PCS Open. Um, He had an absolute fire. Of a final round. It was so, I think he shot minus 13. And, you know, we'll talk about FPO here in a second, but I will say this I'm pretty certain, I think some of the pin positions were different for FPO uh, and maybe even some of the tees, but it felt like a lot of the holes were fairly the same. Uh, There wasn't a lot of differences that I was noticing. Like as I was watching both, I kind of felt like I was watching the same round of golf. And I'm sure some of the holes were different. And I know for a fact that some of the pins were different. But that being said, um, this course is tough. And so seeing Paul shoot 13 under when you're seeing other MPO pros, you know, just getting seven, eight under. And then you have someone like Kristen Tatar only like getting into the lead with a four under round. I mean, this is a tough course. And to go and shoot minus 13 just blows my mind. So that that was really cool to see that he's really on the upswing for his season here. Things are really clicking for him. He's playing really well. Speaking of Tatar, Kristen uh, just won again. She I, I saw a statistic and I hope I have the numbers here because I didn't know where I saw so I couldn't fact check it again. But I remember hearing that Kristen has won eight of the 13 tournaments she has played in this year, which is just ridiculous. I mean, that is... Complete dominance, winning over 50% of elite series events, top tier, like playing against the top competition in the FPO field in the entire world. And she's winning over half of the events. That is just, that is so hard to process and think about. I was so excited for Greg Barsby. He won it last year. I was so excited to watch him. I hope, I was hoping that he would, you know, repeat. He's one of my favorite players. Unfortunately, he uh, he struggled this week. Uh, he did not end up winning. He shot even for the weekend, and so definitely, uh, I'm certain. You know, with his high standards of play as a world champ as well, you know, he did not play up to his expectations. That course didn't seem to have a a ton of wind over this weekend. But I think it's just a really, really tough course. I mean, you get off the fairway just a little bit on some of those or you get OB one too many times and your score can really add up. We saw players getting bogeys, double bogeys, triple bogeys so easily. Um, I know uh, post-produced commentary uh, round two, I think, uh, Big German Yuli were just talking about like, yeah, there was someone who took an 11 on this hole. And it's a par three, and it's just like if you keep getting OB, or you just you know hit an unfortunate tree and roll backwards into OB, you know those kinds of things happen. Your the scores can really run up. The most impressive person to me over the weekend, though, was Missy Gannon. You know I've talked on this show about how I I think I said it last week, like Missy has just always been on the lead card in the final round, and then just. Hasn't put it all together at the very end to win it. She didn't put it together to win it this week, but she was so much closer. So Missy almost stole the tournament from Kristen. Kristen went in with like a two or three stroke lead and Kristen shot even for the final round. So many bogeys, a a double bogey here. Obviously a lot of birdies as well to balance that out. But Missy shot two under, I believe. She almost, she took advantage of a lot of uh, opportunities where Kristen left the door open, but she couldn't take advantage of every opportunity. And so I'm specifically thinking about hole 18. You know, it's really unfortunate. Kristen was going uh, into hole 18 with a one stroke lead over Missy and they both ended up taking bogeys. Now hole 18 is very, very difficult. There's OB surrounding the green. It is a lot of players go OB on that hole. But it's one of those things where if Missy just, you know, took a par or even took a birdie, she would have either tied or taken the or won the tournament on the final hole. So it's things like that. That's obviously a lot of pressure for the final hole. But if she was able to take advantage of other opportunities, like she got an eagle earlier in the round, which helped her. And so I'm I really hope that this is kind of the, the motivation, the mojo that uh, that Missy Gannon needs to continue this because it would be really awesome to see her win one. Uh, she has been so so close so many times this year and it would just be great to see her finally get one of those. Another player, now Missy was definitely the most impressive to me, but another player who highly impressed me in the FPO field is Evelina Salonen. She did so well. She uh, was on lead card multiple days. Her putting is back. You know, Evelina's has never been a phenomenal putter, but she was making putts this past weekend. And that was super exciting. To watch her because she can throw the disc so well and now that her putt is much improved like she was actually able to stay with the competition and compete well I think everybody this weekend was a victim of the OB Uh, it was very tight fairways and a lot of hazards here and there or not necessarily hazards but hazardous um conditions with with trees and OB lines nearby, just a lot of things that could go wrong and for many players, something did go wrong almost every round, which was a really cool aspect because you had to be mentally resilient, um, which is you know, a skill that, Every golfer needs to have in order to compete at the highest level, being able to push through basically that bounce back stat. Hey, you take a bogey, okay, the next hole you get a birdie. Or you take a double bogey, well, you take two birdies the next two holes or two out of the next three holes. Those bounce back stats, super helpful. And a lot of that is mental because at that level, you definitely have the skills physically. It's whether you have the skills mentally. And it was really good. Evelina hasn't competed on the pro tour for a couple months it was really good to see her back and competing in the running going into round two she i think she was uh several strokes out of it uh going into the final round a lot would have had to happen i think for her to to win just given how tough that course played for the fpo field but i really really enjoyed watching it that course is beautiful i would definitely love to go to uh Norway one day and play there. So let's go ahead and let's get into the results in the top 10. So in MPO, we have Paul McBeth in first at minus 29, James Proctor in second at minus 24, Calvin Heimberg in third at minus 23, and fourth, Eagle McMahon at minus 20, fifth, Ricky Wysocki minus 19, tied for sixth, James Conrad and Adam Hammes at minus 18, Uh, ninth, oh excuse me, eighth, Matty O at minus 17, ninth, Yalmar, uh, Yalmar, uh, Fredrickson. I hope I pronounced that right. At minus sixteen, uh, and tied for him, tied with him. Yalmar uh, is Aaron Gossage at minus sixteen. Oh man, goose! So many missed putts. So many missed putts. We've we've talked about it on this show before, but if Aaron Gossage can just put together a tournament where he makes eighty five percent of his putts. He, it's like he'd be unstoppable. So I'm hoping he can figure that out because he was in the running for the longest time in round three, and then he just kept missing putts, and Paul and James and Calvin just kept pulling away. Uh, and then, yeah, so that was top 10. 11th place was Paul Ulibarri at minus 15. So we had a pretty big spread this weekend, and uh, 90% of the top 10 were American players, which uh, I was not expecting that, to be honest. I was expecting a few more Europeans to be in there. I was hoping Nicholas Antilla would be in there. He finished in 13th. Um, and I was hoping for a few more to kind of uh, be up there. But that is okay. That happens from time to time, especially on tough courses. Uh, in the FPO division, we had Kristen Tatarin first at minus six for the weekend, uh, Missy Gannon in second at minus five. evelina Solomon at third and minus three. Fourth place fourth place was Heidi Lane at minus one. Fifth place Sarah Hokum at even. Sixth place, we didn't even talk about her. Ida Emily Ness uh finished plus one. She is fifteen years old and she was on lead card with Kristen Tatar in the final round and Missy Gannon. So that was really, really cool. Um uh, seventh place. Lucky Lorenzen at plus three. Eighth place, Katrina Allen at plus four. Ninth place, Hannah Blomroos at plus six. And 10th place, uh, Jessica Weiss and Ella Hansen at plus 11. So that was the PCS Open. Now let's talk about the European Open. Last year, the European Open uh, was phenomenal. There were so many people there. It was really cool to watch. And also last year was the year that, or was the event that Chandler Kramer, Lone Star Disc sponsored, kind of made a name for himself, put his name on the map. He finished fifth. Also, Eagle won last year after being out for a couple months. He comes back and basically wins the European Open, which is at the Nokia Beast course, which is so tough. Okay, real real quick plug here. Um If you guys don't play Disc Golf Valley, definitely check out Disc Golf Valley. And in the Disc Golf Valley practice mode, you can play the Nokia course, Nokia Beast, uh, front nine, back nine. Definitely play it on Disc Golf Valley. I know this sounds strange where I'm going with this, but sometimes the camera work, uh, like on live coverage or post-produce, makes a course, you know, it's like, yeah, it's tough, but it doesn't look that tough on this particular hole until you go and play it one day. But somehow, and this is how I know like this course was so de- designed so well in the game. That course on the game is legitimately difficult. It is really fun to play, but it is really tough. And obviously the more you play it on the game, you kind of figure out what like, what disc to throw and how to throw it. Like any game, you kind of figure it out. But it is actually tough. Um, one of the tougher courses is, in that game for sure and so if you kind of want to get an idea of the event go ahead and play disc golf valley i think they do a really good job sort of imitating the difficulty of the course in real life so (laughs) kind of nerding out there for a second um also you know i have been wanting to uh play disc golf valley i know months ago when i had talked about starting this podcast i was talking about doing live streaming and playing Disc Golf Valley. Is that a, if that is something that you would be genuinely interested in, because I would want to play with you guys, you know, I we would have the code and we would all play, um, make sure you comment down below or message me on Instagram or Discord, like I would love to hear from you. If that is something you're into, I would love to play Disc Golf Valley with you guys and stream that. So going back to the European Open last year, Paige Pierce won, but she's out of commission, I think for a few months. She had unexpected surgery. And so she's missing. She was planning on coming to Europe and now she's been unable to play in Europe. Uh, so that's been unfortunate. And last year, Kristen Tatar didn't play, but she is playing this year. And so I'm really excited for the European Open. This year we have a lot of good players in it. A lot of top-tier pros on both sides are playing it. It's always an amazing event, an amazing event, and I can't wait um for the coverage. So we're gonna go ahead and for some reason, oh you know what? I bet you this event starts on Thursday, which is why uh grip six it has it available now. So one thing that I'm going to focus on with my grip six picks this week is that at this point in the season and playing this course in particular, it is wise to go with players who have been playing really well for the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm not trying to find a dark horse in this grouping, just because of how tough this course is. I'm sure there will be somebody who surprises a lot of people, but I'm going with players who have been playing really, really well. So I'm gonna go with Paul for sure because he's been dominating in Europe the last uh, month or so, winning like four out of five in the last month. Uh, I'm also going to take Calvin, and Eagle's been playing really well. This is a Discmania-sponsored event. I'm going to go ahead and go with Eagle McMahon. On top of that, I was thinking Ricky Wysocki, but I just wasn't uh, sure yet. I am going All-American for the European Open, Macbeth, Heinberg, and McMahon for the MPO. On the FPO, once again, sticking with who's been playing consistent, me and everybody else, are going to pick Kristen Tatar. That's just the way it is. I'm also going to stick with consistency and take Missy Gannon. And now this is where it becomes really, really tough. Who do I take next? There are a lot of good European women playing. You got Katie Tate. You got Lucky Lorenzen. You got Anakin Sten. Man. Who do I take? Mm. But then you also have Evelina and Henna Blomrus. Um, okay. I'm going to go with. Man, this is tough. I really can't decide. Heidi Lane playing well, too. You know what? I'm going to go with Evelina Solonin. Uh, She showed me a lot. Uh, this weekend she's playing a lot more confidently so I'm gonna uh, take her Um, hopefully this doesn't come to bite me in the butt I know I said I was playing with consistency but it's just really up for grabs after the top two in the FPO I think you could anyone can go with Katrina Allen, Hannah Blom, Ella Hansen, Sarah Hocum Ooh, you know let me do that I'm gonna take Sarah Hocum I'm gonna take Sarah Consistent Woods player, you're going to need someone with good controlled shots, and she's always finishing in the top 10. She finished in fifth place this past weekend. So, MPO, Macbeth, Heinberg, McMahon, FPO, Tatar, Gannon, and Hokum. Save them. I'm going to pick a random number here for um, the tiebreaker, not expecting that to do anything for me. Um, but yeah, so that is my grip six picks, and that is all I have for the show today, guys. This went a little bit longer than I was expecting. I thought we were gonna be closer to the 35-40-minute mark, but thank you so much for staying. Uh, I really, really enjoyed talking disc golf with you this week. And I hope you enjoyed listening and kind of thinking through your putting. Uh, you know, is it Archer versus Arrow? Are you gonna try out the West Side Disc Bear? I strongly recommend it. And Um, I can't wait to hear about your picks for the weekend. So if you want to share your Grip6 picks, go ahead and join my Discord server link in the description. And we're always talking disc golf throughout the week, especially on the weekend when the tournaments are happening. It's always a lot of fun. So that's all I have for you today, guys. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed the episode and you learned something new. Make sure you go out this week and teach someone how to play disc golf. Give them uh, a a kind word, give them some encouragement, whether it's virtually uh, on my Discord server, we're always helping each other, or if it's in person, go ahead and help somebody, teach them how to play this week, whether new or already a disc golfer. Make sure that you yourself go out and get to play some disc golf this week. We had some crazy rain today, so I didn't get to go out, but I'm hoping in the next couple of days to go play some disc golf. And that's all I have tonight, or this morning, or this afternoon, depending when you're listening. So until next time, everybody, have a great round.